Happy Aviation History Month! It's your boy, Greg, and here's what we've got taken off in the Popping Collars feed for November 2022. We're soaring into the world of media and journalism in pop culture on the latest Popping Collars. Hear us channel our inner Woodward and Bernstein. Or is that our inner Redford and Hoffman? Oh well. Make sure to keep your seatbelts buckled as we land another episode of the PC Music Diary this month. We've hit some turbulence on the latest Going on 30, and only Betsy and Liz can get us through this rough patch. They take flight this month with Thelma and Louise. Also, don't forget to vote for your favorite movies in our third annual Golden Poppers. Voting is now live on our website at poppingcollarspodcast.com. Speaking of climbing, Ryan Parker and I reach new altitudes in our conversation about the Camino de Santiago on this month's Sacred Six when we discuss the Cantabrian Mountains and El Bierzo region of the trail. Thank you for flying the friendly podcast skies with the longest-running Episcopal podcast in the history of air travel. Now just sit back, relax, put those tray tables in their upright and locked positions, and keep those collars popped. I'm Betsy. And I'm Liz. And this is Going on 30, a Poppy Collar side project where we put the top down in the in our convertible. Right? Is <laughs> with it, Brad Pitt in the backseat. With Brad Pitt in the backseat. Is the car green <laughs> or blue? Can we talk about that? It, it I have it on my phone right now. It is sort of like a seafoam green. I think it's right, kind okay. of both. I feel like yeah. it's but anyway. With movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture 30 years ago, this month we're looking at Thelma and Louise. Ooh, Thelma. I'll get it! Thelma, I've not told you I can't stand it when you holler in the morning. I'm sorry, doll. I just didn't want you to be late. Hey, how you doing, little housewife? Louise. Yeah, I still have to ask Daryl if I can go. You mean you haven't asked him yet? Thelma, is he your husband or your father? Thelma and Louise are going fishing. How come Daryl let you go? Because I didn't ask him. <laughs> He's going to kill you! I left him a note. <laughs> Thelma and Louise are going to catch hell. I'll have a wild turkey straight up and a coke back, please. Thelma! Oh, what? Tell me something. Is this my vacation or isn't it? his butt. <laughs> Thelma, have you lost your mind? Woo! I'm uh, Investigator Hal Slocum, Arkansas State Police. You get your butt back here, Thelma, now. As you know, we've tapped your phone. What? Maybe you got a few too many parking tickets? Uh, Thelma, what happened? You're getting in deeper every moment you're gone. You want to step back and get in your car again, please? I swear, three days ago, neither one of us would have ever pulled a stunt like this, but if you was able to meet my husband, you'd understand why. What? Boys, shoot the radio. The police radio, Louise. Got it. 
Thelma and Louise. How do you like the vacation so far? <laughs> We'll be drinking margaritas by the sea, Mama Cita. Liz, may I read you a brief description of this film? Oh, please do. Okay, let's see here. Wilst, Wilst starts with Wilst. Wilst <laughs> on start. a short weekend getaway. Louise shoots the man, sorry, spoilers, who had tried to rape Thelma. Due to the incriminating circumstances, they make a run for it. And thus, a cross-country sh- chase ensues for the two fugitives. Along the way, both women rediscover the strength of their friendship and surprising aspects of their personalities and self-strengths in trying times. That is not the best summary. That is not a great description it of the movie. It is very difficult to read. Liz, what is your history with Selma Louise? So I watched it for the first time last night. I know. So about 24 hours. Yeah, I've had 24 hours with Elma and Louise. Um, <laughs> you warned me to not do too much research, but I, you know, I still am myself, so I couldn't help myself. And I've listened to a couple of podcasts. I read a great Vanity Fair article about it. Ooh. But um, so I came into it knowing the ending because it's so iconic. Yes. Um, but other than that, I really knew nothing about the plot other than there was those two women on a road trip and I knew how the film ended and that was it. And so I watched it for the first time. I would have been too young to see this movie too in the theaters, um, you know, rated R. And I think more than anything for sexual violence, I mean, even more so, I mean, there's some language in here too and some smoking, Ooh, um, lots but, of smoking. you know, we're nowhere near like Peaky Blinders level of whatever <laughs> we're looking at in terms of smoking. But I think I must've seen it on television first, maybe edited Mm-hmm. Like you could, you could edit the rape scene in a way that, and I actually thought the sex scene with Brad Pitt was, was, was sexier too than it turned out to be in my rewatch. Yeah. I mean, he's still, you know, it's still young Brad Pitt. Who's like fifth on the bill for this. Yeah, not, nothing this wrong with that. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was such an iconic movie, a movie that everybody was talking about. And it's so interesting because Greg and I just did Terminator two and talked about that. And it felt like everything at every award show mtv thing was like liquefied metal or something because that was the cliche from that movie and this this ending with the going off the cliff and all of that and and even remembering some of the backlash against this movie Mm -hmm. there's there's elements of this movie that still feel very fresh yeah yeah i'd love to get into that if we can oh Um, yeah absolutely absolutely so what are what are some of your hot takes about the movie as you're watching well okay so first of all um i loved that it blended some pretty um smart cultural critique and kind of what felt to me like a sort of high art filmmaking with also really middle brow uh blockbuster stuff and a fair amount of comedy which yeah. was sort of a surprise. Like there are some characters who are great comedic foils to the seriousness of it. It bends genre yeah. to some extent, which I find really interesting. I mean, I'm looking at, so Ridley Scott decor- directed this movie mm-hmm. and this is around early nineties, right? So we've got like black rain with Michael Douglas, but <laughs> he had already done aliens. He's doing all the Chanel ads, which I also didn't know was a thing. Yeah. Um, and he's done Alien and all of that, yeah. That's yeah, Blade Runner. Yeah, Alien. he had already done Alien. All of that, and and then would be heading into you know later. He's got GI Jane and some other stuff that's coming up, right? Uh, as someone who 
seems really open to complicated female characters. Yeah. And seems drawn to those scripts. And I think what surprised me is how many genres are in this. You know, it's a it's a road trip movie. Mm-hmm. It's a heist. It's a com. It's a crime film. The buddy movie. It's a buddy movie. It's a western. Mm-hmm. Almost the way too. I was thinking about you out in Nebraska, like all these huge. I mean, you're not in like Monument Valley territory, but you know, big sky stuff. Yeah. And they filmed every part of this movie in the dustiest places they possibly could. Even when the cop cars are pulling out of like. <laughs> you know, whatever headquarters they are and in the town, there's still dust just yeah, yeah. everywhere. And it almost feels like the car and the scenery were, were characters in the film as well. It's a beautiful film to watch. Yes. Partly because of the vistas and partly not to um, objectify the actors, but I found myself just mesmerized by um, Susan Sarandon and. Um, oh my God. Gene Davis. Davis. Yes, of course. <laughs> So you're just really staring at these kind of exceptionally beautiful faces mm-hmm. for the whole film, which was part of what made it so such a compelling movie to watch. Well, and forgetting and having the end be so iconic when I was watching the beginning, I forgot where we started. Mm-hmm. You know, even just that moment when Susan Sarandon in the kind of that blazer on top of everything feels like it's just like she's so buttoned up, like yeah. she's so buttoned up. Like and 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 stiff, yeah, and uncomfortable, and that that is so different from from how she appears at the end of the film. Right by the end of it, there are these languid, strong yeah. women, sweaty, dirty, just yeah. you know, other hot takes. People had told me like that it's not that great of a movie, and that the ending was really awful, and like it glorified suicide mm-hmm. and. I understand that argument, but I didn't feel that way when I watched the movie at all. And I also, and people say that it's like a man hating movie, which right. I didn't get that feeling either because the male characters were actually kind of along a spectrum of like good, bad, and in between Harvey Keitel's character is like one of the most um, sympathetic like grounded root for you cops that is you usually see in a film. He was amazing. Well, we're not in the middle of nowhere, but we can see it from here. <laughs> I swear. Louise, I almost feel like I know you. Well, you don't. You're getting in deeper every moment you're gone. Would you believe me if I told you this whole thing was an accident? I do believe you. That's what I want everybody to believe. Trouble is... It doesn't look like an accident, and you're not here to tell me about it. I need your help here. Did Harlan Puckett... I don't want to talk about it. You want to come on in? don't think so. Then I'm sorry. We're going to have to charge you with murder. Now, do you want to come out of this alive? You know, certain words and phrases just keep drifting through my mind. Things like incarceration, cavity search, death by electrocution, life imprisonment. That, you know what I'm saying? So do I want to come out alive? <laughs> I don't know why. We're going to have to think about that. Louise, I'll do anything. I know what's making you run. I know what happened to you in Texas. Always. Don't blow it. Got it. 
right. And I'm some not of the other guys defund moment here with this guy. I mean, yes, right. You know, the guy who plays the insurance adjuster from Groundhog Day, who's also right. an FBI agent or whatever, is really trying to talk about it being there. But um, but yeah, yeah, he's right. very sympathetic. And even Jimmy, Michael Madsen's character, Jimmy, you know, it sounds like he's kind of been a bit of a lout and this kind of they've been doing kind of this rigmarole kind of relationship around and around a little bit, but really comes through yeah. in a way that feels very genuine when it's more, you know, your back's against a wall. This is somebody who's going to be there for you as opposed to the effervescent Christopher McDonald. Oh my goodness. So funny. And he was so funny as Daryl Gina Davis's ex-boyfriend. Really? Yeah. They had already, they weren't Broken together. up at this point. Yeah. And she okay. recommended him to casting oh, and he Lord. like took it on. That was, he had a great performance. The Daryl character. I totally heard <laughs> Ted Lasso in it. Like Jason Sudeikis's accent in, in what Christopher mm-hmm. McDonald was doing in this role. Evidently, like when he comes out of the house and is on his way to work, right. That yeah. was all he actually really fell. Yeah. Fell down character. Like, and, and just, and he improv those lines about bossing yeah. the um, the workers around and stuff. Yes. Yes. And of course you have, you know, the ultra terrible, you know, truck driver, all these guys. And you're right. It is kind of these guys on a spectrum, but I didn't. Brad Pitt's kind of in the middle. I mean, he's a thief. He steals her money, but he also gives her a great night. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I also don't feel like it's um, it's it's man hating. Yeah. No. I also don't want to delve too far into the metaphor of it too, but it also feels like, what is this a metaphor for the female existence in the world? Right. You know, do I think that the end all and be all for, you know, Thelma is that she's amazing at robbing stores, you know, or is there, you know, and that Susan Sarandon's character, you know, that Louise is, is, has been, has lived through trauma, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, whatever happened to her in Texas, how she, what the abuse she experienced in Texas. And that, that moment too, with Keitel, when he's like, you know, I know what happened in Texas. Yeah. And she just hangs, hangs up that phone. Well, and all of a sudden the whole story makes sense. Like she didn't have to kill the guy at the, no. at the honky tonk. And it, it makes perfect sense. And I've heard, so as I said, I did a little reading today, so yeah. you might know this story too, but yes. In the original script, I think one of the best scenes or the best like vignettes in the whole movie is this back and forth side by side in the motel when Gina Davis is with Brad Pitt having this really like kind of fun, tender, open sexual experience with him. And Susan Sarandon is next door, basically breaking up with her longtime boyfriend and it just goes back and forth between these scenes and in the original script it was supposed to be two different sex scenes that susan sarandon was supposed to put on this really sexy lingerie and she and jimmy were supposed to have this um kind of last night together Mm -hmm. and susan sarandon read the script and she just said this doesn't make sense for louise who has recently had this re-traumatizing experience And what she said in an interview was that a woman in that situation would never surrender herself to orgasm that night, Mm -hmm. that it was so soon after having sort of played through the trauma of a sexual assault onto another sexual assault that she couldn't imagine a scene, a love scene 
that close to that event. So instead they created what I think was one of the best scenes of the whole film of her and Jimmy trying to make sense of their relationship and part ways in this really mature way juxtaposed with this younger kind of immature fun one night stand. You know, when we say there aren't great roles for women, that's true. And when you are an actor and a stunning, beautiful person, you can, (laughs) you know, Hollywood will let you stick around for a little bit longer, but it was a pretty like great role for a woman, her age in particular to step into. And Gina Davis was still kind of a starlet and really had this more like typical kind of gaming sexy thing going but susan sarandon played this really mature woman as a really mature woman yeah um and it was and for cool. me i found this was you know listeners of the show will know that i need a desperate purging of the accidental tourist from my life as much as i right love. i've never seen it oh just don't do it don't give over <laughs> the hours of your life liz to not do it and i've needed gina davis in my life in a different way so mm-hmm. I'm just her her portrayal of louise and i think it's it's this Interesting too that um wait who's Thelma and who's Louise? Sorry, so sorry. her portrayal yeah, of Thelma, Thelma. Okay, Thelma yeah, yeah. is it's almost childlike at times. It's it's this person who has gotten married young and has not really had a chance to have any fun. And has settled, which is a whole theme of settled. The yeah. And the fact that we just tolerate as a part of the script that her husband's an asshole. Yep. And, and he jokes about it. And yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just like, cause I couldn't remember how she got hurt. Mm. And in my mind, I had made it Chris McDonald's character. And uh-huh. then I was like, oh, no, it's on the road. Yeah. Like, my bad. And that the, the commentary on him is actually a little more subtle than, than, you know, he's, it's more the kind of slow, the deterioration of a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. But I think like some of the things that I wrote down were like, I love the attention to detail in this movie like even like when gina davis like they finally they check in to that hotel briefly before they kind of figure out where they're going she tells her just go out to the pool this yeah is like right after and like so like gina davis is like rolling her suitcase yeah. out there i don't know whether she changed into her bathing suit at the pool like i, I know i couldn't figure that out either but she's laying in that laundry and she's listening to her walkman or whatever and louise comes you know comes up and scares her and uh and her feet are dirty Mm-hmm. Her feet are dirty because they are the same feet mm-hmm. that were w- walking around last night that were dancing in that honky tonk. Right. And all through the scene with Brad Pitt, you see like the scabs on her knees and yes. everything from when she was assaulted. Yes. Yes. And I think the, the continuity people mm-hmm. did a really good job at that. I just found it interesting the way they really created a whole world where yeah. they were on the road. Which, I, yeah, like, what did you think about the Americana in this movie? I loved it. Like I loved the weird, like one of the details that really struck me was they stopped at a gas station at one point Mm -hmm. and there's a guy like this huge guy, like lifting weights in the background. Yes. Like, what is this? What is this? I mean, they found every honky tonk and every diner Mm -hmm. that they could fill. I mean, even having Louise be a diner waitress. Yep. And, but Liz, this brings us to our top five. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. I can't wait. This took some intense research is as as our listeners know greg is normally the one who pulls out the top fives i had to come up with my own this time so i have top five films that feature line dancing Ooh, okay <laughs> <A> strong <laughs> line dancing 
sort of scene. Now, this took a lot of research because we're not talking about like a musical. We're not right. talking about a musical scene. So even though I wanted to kind of cheekily put in chorus line, I did not. Okay. And, you know, we're not talking about like a hip hop routine of some Mm-mm. sort. No, we're talking about country line those on the list too. I'm really talking about line dancing right. of some variety. So Greg always likes to sneak in an honorable mention. So I was able to do this. So our honorable mention is dancing the Macarena in Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> the animated Adam Sandler film. <laughs> okay macarena scene and i was actually shocked that there were not more macarena scenes for me to choose from Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean we've all lived through billy ray cyrus i don't understand why yes okay all right so do you want to know number five i do okay it is saturday night fever when they're they have kind of a group dance scene Mm -hmm. in the in the disco yes excellent choice so excellent choice lots of good hair okay all right number four Mm mm-hmm Coyote Ugly <laughs> with, a, with the, the movie that launched at least a dozen restaurants and bars. Yes. The Ugly. I think there was one, if I remember, it was all the girls dancing on the bar together, mm-hmm. doing like a synchronized dance in their shorts and looking cute in their boots. Number three, this was one of the hottest line dancing scenes. It came up on every search. Cool Runnings. <laughs> The Jamaican bobsled. There's, there's a moment when two characters they're training, mm-hmm. and they go to like a honky tonk bar. Okay. And there's a whole line dancing. One of the guys is trying to do the line dancing thing while two of the other bobsledders are having a heart to heart. Oh, I don't remember that. So there we go. Number two, I'm giving it to Thelma Louise. Okay. Yeah. Because I it was this was a moment, right? Yeah. And and it felt like they. I mean, I feel like they had to have cast locals. Mm-hmm. And it was just on sync, and everyone felt like they're like, "All right, we need locals, age eighteen to fifty, mm-hmm. who can like dance and like." And that who is that singer? Like it's Matt. It's Matt Dillon. That's Matt Dillon. It? it has to be. If no. it's not, I don't know. I thought it was. You thought it was Matt Dillon? Yeah. I don't. I'm looking at the IMDb to see if Matt. I'm Dillon. sure I would have figured it out. I mean, I'm sure I would have heard that somewhere else. I have one person named a silver bullet dancer, but I don't know who the singer was. Yeah, Dylan's brooding performance in The Outsiders and Rumblefish were early. Ter- oh, wait, 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 wait. No, did I? Did I get this wrong? I did not think it was Matt Dylan. You didn't? No. I mean, I guess why would it be? He Charlie was Charlie already- Sexton. Yeah. Charlie Sexton. He would have already. Yeah, Matt Dylan would have already been a big star then. He probably would have been mad he didn't get the well, no, he might he might have thought the Brad Pitt rolls below him. I think that he went out for it. Anyway, I'm going crazy like I'm going down a real rabbit hole right now. <laughs> so number one line mm-hmm. dancing in a movie is Footloose. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm gonna let people battle it out because mm-hmm. the one that kept coming up a lot was the 2011 remake of Footloose. Oh. As having a strong line dancing scene. So we'll let Footloose fanatics yeah. battle one another, whether they want to go with the original. So what was your best scene in the movie? So you kind of so. touched on it. I, you you kind of named it might be one of your best scenes. I don't know. Yeah, I think that the, the back and forth in the hotel room was really powerful. And so was the scene the next morning where Louise is saying goodbye to Jimmy. Look, I don't know what's going on with you or what happened or y'all did but i'm not gonna tell anybody anything and i'm not gonna say that i even saw you or 
Damn, Jimmy, what'd you do? Take some kind of pill? Makes you say all the right stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm choking on it. Uh, sure you want me to go with you? I think it's probably not a real good idea right now. But I'll uh, catch up with you later. On down the road. Well, my taxi's here. So, uh, why don't you just keep that? Okay. Thanks. I just want you to be happy. I am happy, sweetie. Happy as I can be. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. I think the best scenes for me are are were the comedic ones because they really stick with me. Like there's, and it's also t- the timing. It's Gina Davis's timing. It's really good mm-hmm. when you're like, "How much money do you have?" And you know, sixty five dollars, forty five dollars, whatever it is, because like a twenty has gone out the window, and yeah. it's just that so good. I think one of, you know, and she uses the word, I'm awake. I'm awake now. Mm -hmm. I've not been awake. And this is before woke culture. Yeah. And, but then there's this element where she's, they, they decide they're going to call Daryl. And that's really one of my favorite scenes. They're like in the, wherever they were, the bar, the restaurant, wherever they are. It's like, all right, you know, you're going to get on the phone. And if you sense anything off of him, you know, you just got to hang up the phone. You know, you just, you just got to get off the phone. And, um, and so, he just picks up a hey baby. Yeah. <laughs> he just immediately hangs on the phone and just like, yeah, the police are there. The yeah, police know. <laughs> it's just like, excuse me, do you have a phone? Thank you. Thelma, listen up now. You can think no. I mean, even if you're not sure, I want you to hang up. You understand? more time what all i said was hello you know and i love because you could just tell he is just stitching himself into his own corner you know with um you know is your relationship with your wife good is it good you know oh yeah it's great and you're like oh no not good for you but those that that mix with it's it's so funny to reconcile that with this very dramatic film. I think it's probably also something to do with the the screenwriter of this of this project. Cal or him is Callie Corey. I think it's how you pronounce K H O U R I. She's um, married to T Bone Burnett. Is she really? She is from Texas and Kentucky. Yep. But she's written like Secrets of the Gaga Sisterhood. 
and like mad money, like a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And this was lot. her first. Yes. But a lot of like female driven Nashville. Um, so then what is, who is your best actor? So I thought <sighs> there were great performances. Like everyone was great. And I, I really was crushing pretty hard on Susan Sarandon during this whole film. I always am though. I'm always like taken by her as an actor, but yeah. I'm going to choose the 1966 Ford Thunderbird. There you are. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Nice. Are you nice. drinking a martini right now? I am drinking a martini. Oh, damn. That's the day I've had Liz. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to order a margarita with a shot of Cuervo on the side. <laughs> this is the day we're having right now. Not forcing <sighs> drinking, but anyway. Um, we're on vacation. No, we're not. <laughs> anyway, definitely not. Not on vacation. So, so, so you're going with the Thunderbird. Tell I am. Yeah, about the car. And they ran that. I mean, they literally ran that car off a cliff, and that was no pun intended. But um, I just loved watching it get more and more beat up. And it was their getaway car, and like it was their companion. It was like a trusty steed. Yes, I loved it. And it was so conspicuous, like the worst car in the world to be running from the law in. How did they not think about stealing another car? How? Right. Like, go get like a Honda Civic. I don't know if they made Honda Civics back then. The suspension in this thing was amazing. The fact that it just kept going. It also made me wonder whether how much it was actually a part of Louise's identity. Mm -hmm. This is Louise's car. Yeah. And we weren't going to relinquish that. Right. Right. And to watch it get like beat up and worn in when it started as this pristine thing, it was a classic car for her too. You know, it's like, it's like them, them themselves, the actresses, the same Mm -hmm. as actors get kind of worn and. Well, and they did a ton of stunt training. Obviously they had stunt drivers for the biggest stunts, but they had to learn how to drive that car. And as I watched it, it occurred to me that I never, I've never driven a car. Well, first of all, I've never driven a manual transmission car, but I've never driven a car that doesn't have power steering and just the amount of strength that it takes. Like she's just hauling that car all over the desert. When she reverses into the gas station. Yes. Oh man, now you're now we have to pick between the ladies. That's I don't know. Do. You could pick both of them. They were both those were great performances. Those were great performances. And Harvey Keitel, I know it feels unfeminist to pick one of the men, but the, Harvey Keitel was fantastic. He did a nice job too. But I do really feel like the two of them, I mean, for this also not being, I could also see this movie being made now and being like unfortunately like half an hour longer, yeah. which is not necessary. Yeah. What the character development that we had and the amount of time that we had, it's just great. Like, I just don't, you don't need more. Well, and I thought about that too. What would it look like if this film was made now? And this is a hot take. I really don't know if this is true, but it seems like we rarely tell stories anymore from a working class perspective. Hmm. Like, like this was also like the era of Roseanne, right? Like we just don't, do that anymore so i was trying to imagine like what would beauty look like like how would it be cast yeah what would the circumstances be what would those marriages look like in a way that's believable mm-hmm. and still just as toxic um, yeah all right so let's take a look at some stats okay right? you ready for this yes all right 
So this movie, it opened on May 24th, 1991. Mm-hmm. So summer release, not necessarily a July 4th release, but like, hey, it's summertime. You're hitting the road with your family. Here's a film for you. I do know that it opened the same week as Backdraft. Oh, whichever Baldwin is in Backdraft was supposed to play the Brad Pitt character, J.D., and oh, was that Billy? Was it Billy? It might, it might be Billy Baldwin. And they took too Billy. long. It took too long for Thelma and Louise to get oh, going. So he was like, sorry, I'm under contract with Backdraft. I've got to go. Sorry, I've got to go fight fires over here. Can you imagine if Billy Baldwin is? No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. We will take Brad Pitt. Yes. We will take him. Um, so, Liz, on this day in 90210 history, <laughs> are you ready? This yeah. was still season one, episode 21. Oh my so God, those were long. So long. So, this is the spring dance. Okay. Is and this when, whole... um, does Brenda lose her virginity to Dylan at this dance? Okay, we're getting closer. It's not okay. prom. Oh, it's okay. Just it's the just spring the spring dance. Yeah. This is, this is a, not the climax, literally <laughs> or figuratively. This is a, just a little peak on the way there. Okay. As the school prom approaches, Brenda and Dylan become closer. Mm-hmm. Brandon can't decide whether to ask Kelly or Andrea. <laughs> oh, Brandon. Oh, when Andrea, when they still wanted to portray like 35 year old Andrea had a yeah. chance. Domestic gross for this movie was $45 million, which was number 28 grossing movie of 1991. Okay. Like not too, not too bad. Right. But not too good. Not too good. Okay. So on the all time grossing movie list this is at one number 1974 okay between these two movies Liz. is that list adjusted for inflation i do not know greg pulls these statistics okay <laughs> we'll have to ask him okay okay so um so we've got it is between the life and times of grizzly adams whoa and the comedy British comedy Bean. Oh. So now here it is, Liz. Flirt, Mary, Kill. Oh, God. At the Life and Times of Grizzly Adams, Thelma and Louise, and Bean. What are you going to do? <sighs> okay. I got to look up this Grizzly Adams movie. I don't know anything about it, but I'm going to flirt with Thelma and Louise, L- with them, with Brad Pitt, with Harvey Keitel, and with the American West. And with that car, I'm going to flirt with it all. Okay. Got it. Um, I'm going to marry Grizzly Adams. Cause I don't know anything about this film, but if it's about a man, that sounds like the kind of man I'd like to marry. There he is. He's Look right at him. Hell yes. This is a true story of a man exiled in the wilderness and how yes. he learns to survive. That's my husband. Dan Haggard. <laughs> Great. He's got a beard. I love it. He's He's got, it is a fierce beard. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's my jam. Um, Here he is with a bear real quick. Liz. There's his. Yes. Like we live with a bear. Like we're set. Um, And then obviously I'd kill bean. You kill bean. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we are in a similar zone, but I'm going to flirt with Grizzly Adams. Okay. Um, I don't know how long-term I feel about the bear. It would be a rough way to live for sure. It would be yeah. innocent fugitive from the law. Oh, how weird. It's so similar. Yeah. He lives in the wilderness with a grizzly bear companion and helps passers by in the forest. 
this is literally my dream life. Like where, where's that on my Tinder profile? That's what I'm looking for. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. (laughs) An innocent fugitive. First of all, even if, even if we're just helping passersby in the world, (laughs) I mean, that's nice. Bear with a bear. Yeah. I mean, I'm here for it. Okay. All right. So I'm going to flirt with the Grizzly Adams. Okay. I'm going to marry Thelma Louise and I will. Yes. Kill Bean. Kill Bean, obviously. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, So Thelma Louise has an 86% rating on Rotten Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Should be higher, but okay. What do you think? How do you think old Roger Ebert felt about this movie? I don't know my Siskel from my Ebert. Okay. And you're asking me what Siskel thought or what Ebert no, thought? No, I'm asking you, well, how, how do you, do you think Ebert, Ebert liked this film or not? I think he did. Yeah. I think he did. Well, yeah. you would be right, Liz. Yes. Um, so Roger Ebert's quote is, what sets Thelma and Louise aside from the great central tradition of the road picture is that the heroes are women this time. 3.5 out of four stars. Which like, let me just say that's such a freaking low bar. Like women. Like women. my God. Right. So we always try to have a male critic and a female critic Mm -hmm. on our show, right? So we struggle on this because in the early 90s, they Janet Maslin, who's who we normally go to, does not always review every film. She's not the main reviewer, right? All the time. So Janet Maslin also has a comment on this too. I think she hated it. You would be wrong, Liz. Oh, okay. Because I know a lot of adventures. And I like this. Their adventures, while tinged with the fatalism that attends any crime spree Mm -hmm. have the thrilling life affirming energy for which the best road movies are remembered. Yes. Five out of five. Good. That's a woman writing a review. So Mm -hmm. like, just for like one guy is like, this movie was a movie that's basically like a man's movie, but women made it with ladies in it, but there's women in it. And then this woman is like, hi, here's a nuanced um, comment about film. Yes. You dummy. R.I.P. The word like, tinged. I mean, all of them, all of them tinged, yeah. tinged, yeah, tinged with fatalism, fatalism, truth, fatalism. Okay. I'm also now realizing everybody, the life and times of Grizzly Adams is a television show and it originated as a movie. Just so it's the movie that was the it's same actors, same actors. Okay. It looks a little more wizeny in this situation. Yeah, that's a little. Oh, now I'm glad I'm flirting with him. You can marry him. That's fine. Yeah, he's so. he's on mine. <laughs> You, no one gets him. All right, so let's talk a little bit about um, about how this did at the Oscars, Liz. Okay, okay. This this movie had one win. Okay, but it was nominated for a total of six Oscars. Okay, and I listened to you. You told me not to look this up, and I did not look it up. So, can you guess what this was not? Who was what categories this was nominated in? Let's see. The six. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's six. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess that both Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon were nominated. You are correct. Oh, yeah. excellent. Okay. So you've already got two. Could it be musical score? No. Sorry. Oh, Hans Zimmer not nominated. Too bad. Cinematography? Yes. Cinematography. Is casting one? No, it is that, not. That's not a, not is that a thing though? Um, it's not an Oscar. A category. Okay. It should be. It should um, be. Liz, make a make a point. Let's call okay. it okay. Um, 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 screenplay. Yes. Director. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh my god. god. One. Ooh. Um. This is tough. Props. It's a more technical one. And it's not cinema. Oh, is it? 
it might go along with cinematography a little bit, but photography. It's, it's, it's film editing. Film editing. Oh, film okay. editing. I see that. I see that. But it only won one. Oh. So which one do you think was the winner? I know it wasn't either of the actresses. It was not. Cinematography? No. Screenplay. Oh, good. Good. One for the screenplay. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Which is great. Deserved. I think I think to have a movie have this many nominations in this many categories and still kind of not make the best picture. Wrong, yeah, it's weird. It does make me wonder about the fact that we're really talking about a female driven cast over uh-huh. male. I think that 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 hashtag part of why it isn't in that Oscar so male. You're not gonna make a deal with that guy. I'm not making any deals. I mean, I don't understand if you're thinking about it. In a way, you got something to go back for. Jimmy. Jimmy's not an option. But, uh, I don't know, you know, something's like crossed over in me. And I can't go. I just couldn't live. I know. I know what you mean. Anyway, don't want to end up on the damn Geraldo show. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, they're charging us with murder. Ooh. Yeah, they say that we. Got to figure out if we want to come in dead or alive. Gosh. Did he say anything positive at all? Well, and now Gina Davis is like the head of this nonprofit that is all about increasing visibility and representation for women in media. Yes, absolutely. I mean, let's get to that. Let's get to what do we think the lasting legacy of this film is? What do you think? Well, did you know, first of all, that Gina Davis is a literal genius? She's a member of Mensa. Yes. She's in the Olympics. Was she in the Olympics for like trap shooting or? Um, Archery. Archery. Okay. Yes. Fascinating. Well, in pop culture, I mean, it's thoroughly there. Like it is just embedded in pop culture. And when people say you're the Thelma to my Louise or that's my Thelma or whatever, like everybody just knows what that means, even if they didn't see the film. So that's sort of like a surface level impact, but you can sh- see how, um, how much the film sort of got into our yes. consciousness. You know, there's still, it's, it's hard to tell because there's still not a lot of great storytelling in Hollywood that passes the Bechdel test, like even to this day. So I think a lot of the impact that you would have hoped that it had, I'm not sure that we can say that it did. Yeah. Have it. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I think, you know, I just, I looked up the documentary that Gina Davis was involved in and it's uh, called this changes everything. So she's one of the producers in it. Mm -hmm. A look at the highly disturbing disparity of female directors in TV and film through time also included the lack of female lead roles or balanced female characters and equity and role models of female children in film films. Now the media is driven primarily by men with little or no representation of women at the decision-making table. Yeah. So 
it's a great documentary. It came out in what year did this come out? 2018. I might have watched it. I might have found it during the pandemic. It might have been a pandemic watch. But yeah. I mean, there are these elements that seek to make this movie a parody, that mm-hmm. seek to make it a meme and in those sorts of ways. And I guess that you're the film to my Louise. That's a little bit of memification, but it not having existed really fully in this culture we live in now. I think that there's a real genuine quality to that mm-hmm. in terms of the, the idea of what relationship looks like allowing someone to grow, allowing someone to change, allowing someone to really see your full self, your faults, mm-hmm. you know, how you are. I think there's a lot to say about that in this, in this film, the there's a rawness to some of this that yeah. I think is really appreciated. It's very genuine quality. And there's also this story of women just walking away from convention, mm-hmm. like which un- it's sort of unfortunate that they do that through like robbing people and killing them. Mm-hmm. But um, it is like whatever the cultural constraints are that have you settling. Like, what, isn't that the line that they say all the time? Right. You, get, you get what you settle for. Right. Um, there's this complete turning away from that it's a classic it really is it really is and and i think for some of it is i think it is this magic that's created with um callie Corey's screenplay and wrigley scott's direction Mm -hmm. i think those two things together with the performances in this film create something that's classic like you could tell that like as the director and cinematographers were maybe inspired by america and also a little like intimidated by it or like there was a menacing aspect of um open america which which is part of the story too is just how freaking dangerous it is to be a woman yes i was gonna say let's talk a little bit about like how they processed the rape Mm -hmm. in the film i thought was really genius because they you know, the script really well allowed done. them to say the things, mm-hmm. you know, the other people were saying, like, they didn't have the word victim blaming at this no. time no, or slut shaming. Right. You know, but they're able to give voice to the root, you know, the root of all of that. Well, and you and get these are things that the audience might be sitting here thinking. Yeah. Why did she go out there with him? What? Yeah. And what did you think was going to happen? Right. It helped illuminate this kind of central conflict with Louise's character that she was saying, like, she was pretty aware of like, there's no physical evidence. We were walking away. We, you know, like all of these reasons why they wouldn't be believed in court to me were a callback to the experience that she had in Texas. Like, I know this because I've been through this. Yeah. So that was, I thought, really effective. And also how they filmed the rape. Like so often scenes of sexual assault in films Mm -hmm. are shot through the male gaze. So you see them as like sex scenes. Mm -hmm. You know, they're shot like sex scenes. And this was not. Mm -hmm. It was not sexy in the least. It was really scary and it was um, dark and quiet and you know, menacing, which I thought would like props to to Ridley Scott, like that could have been filmed in a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he did a good job. Yeah. And you don't see that a lot in movies, even today. Yeah. It also wasn't gratuitous, mm-hmm. you know, so it didn't feel traumatizing to watch it, which sometimes can be effective in film. Like I will remember the rape scene in boys don't cry for the rest of my life. It was very 
like honestly traumatizing for me to watch as a kid. I think I watched it in high school and sometimes that can be really effective, but um, it's also not necessary all the time. Yeah. And I thought the, I thought the music was really affecting. You mentioned the score and Hans Zimmer. There were times when it felt like U 2s where the streets had no name and like Sean Colvin had yeah. a baby and like yeah. that's some of the musical <laughs> score for this, like Hans Zimmer's score for this. Yeah. Cause well, it the is track too. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that a lot as well mm-hmm. um, to really kind of create this effect. So who do you think, who is this movie for? Mm. Like when they're pitching this movie, I love a nineties movie. Like, so I don't know who they were made for really, but um, I feel like there was some great filmmaking in the nineties. I think that there's a, a class commentary here. That's really interesting that we don't do a lot of in America. So I think there's a lot, like, is it, did they actually expect like middle-class working class women to come out to the theater to see this? I don't know, but there's a strong message there. Um, I think I think the door was definitely open for that. Yeah, for sure. Night, let's go. Yes, right. And it it feels like a movie for women. And of course, now, 30 years later, I can picture sitting down and watching it with a man, you know, like it doesn't feel like an exclusively women's movie. But I can imagine at the time that it could have made men really uncomfortable. Yes. Was this a hard movie to pitch? Mm-hmm. I think it was. They had I a hell of a time pitching it. Yeah. I think that's why you had to have the mix of people that you had going on at yeah. the table. Um, and even Harvey Keitel, you know, he was Harvey Keitel at the time, but was Harvey Keitel like yeah. had Reservoir Dogs happened yet? No, I, no. You know, well, um, he's in the piano. Yes, he's he is amazing. He's amazing. Piano. Yes, and I don't know. Was this? Did, was the piano after this? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't run into the piano yet. I know it was He's nominated. So typecast, you know, as like the mob guy or whatever. Right. Um, right. But, breaks- but even not having other like strong male leads in this film to really kind of ride on them. Yeah. You know, I feel like it was, you know, is it for boomer women? Mm-hmm. Boomer and younger boomer women, like young, you know, the Generation Jones or whatever the group that comes behind them, people who are feeling stuck. Mm-hmm. their lives is there an element of of seeing that and also then having it be a film that younger women would see too you know but that it would have enough does it have enough kind of fun like a fun vibe that you would say your date wouldn't like balk being dragged to it i don't know right because it really does like it has all of the components of like a quote date movie you know it yes. kind of has the romance and the compelling storyline but also the action and the you know whatever but I am not sure that a lot of men then or now would Let's sit see. down on a date with a woman and feel super comfortable watching that movie. Right. I know that there were some feminists who were critical of the film because um, it was basically just women characters embodying a male storyline. And that I heard that somebody said to the um, screenwriter at some sort of event, like, why couldn't Thelma and Louise have outsmarted and like outwitted people? Why did they have to resort to violence? Couldn't they have used a feminine strength instead? Wouldn't that have been more provocative and more telling? And her response was, um, yeah, you could write that movie. Like, go ahead. (laughs) That's not what this movie is. Yeah. Or could they have gotten to Mexico? Right. And done the whole club med thing. Did they have to die? 
And in a way, no, they didn't have to. And I've also heard that they were um, Ridley Scott wasn't sure about that ending kind of up until the end, Mm -hmm. that there was an idea that um, one of them would push the other out of the car at the last minute. So only one of them would die. And then it became clear as the momentum of the film went on that they needed to hold hands and do it together. And it was Susan Sarandon's idea to, to kiss. And the Polaroid flying out of the car. <laughs> it's so weird when they, you know, we nowadays don't do kind of the picture montages during the yeah it's or whatever. And then to really throw that picture in from the beginning. Yeah. And to see how much they've changed. Yeah. And to have that be like the movie poster is like, you know, this open West with them. Yeah. You know, the kind of Polaroid almost is like the rear view, you know, yeah. in the car. and it's like, that's who it used to be. Mm-hmm. And now this is who we are. Why did we nominate this? Right. So this was not nominated for an Oscar for best uh-huh. picture. Sure. Right. So I nominated it for all the reasons that we talked about tonight. Yeah. You know, it's, it's cultural significance. Why it's, why it has made such an impression beyond its time. And that I think it's an important film in, in the, in the space that it's able to inhabit. I wonder if it was made now that people would be like, what do you mean? The director's a man. Like, I right. feel like that would definitely be a thing. But that Ridley Scott was had he is probably of the men involved in this film, the biggest name for sure. Oh, yeah. And I wonder what chips he cashed in to make this happen. I read a little bit about this and I can't remember. It was sort of like a friend of a friend showed the script to someone who worked in his production company. And he so he signed on to produce it. And he kept pitching it to directors and was getting more and more frustrating that directors weren't listening to him. They didn't love the script as much as he did. They wanted to make changes that would have really compromised the integrity of the mm-hmm. movie until finally he was just like, I'm directing it. Like this Go is for mine, it. I mean, mine a man who can direct Sigourney Weaver and Alien. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. This is who you want. What do you give this movie out of five, Liz? And I get to add it to Greg's to Greg's list. Well, listen. And I'll let you decide where it goes. I'm the worst because I love everything. And um, I'm giving it a five out of five. You're giving it a five out of five. Is five. it mm-hmm. above or below Silence of the Lambs? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I know that's <gasps> They're so different. I know. And as you know, I love Silence of the Lambs. I know you do. I think, you know, having just watched this movie 24 hours ago, And knowing that I had to record a podcast about it, I am kind of amazed by how much I'm still thinking about it, which I don't think that happened with Silence of the Lambs. Okay. So I'm going to say above. I'm going to say. Yeah. There we go. Also, Jodie Foster was originally considered for one of the characters. I can't even imagine. I know. And then she went off and did Silence of the Lambs. They took so long to cast the film and to get going that they just lost tons of actors. Well, I Earl Streep and Goldie Hawn came in and pitched together. Whoa. To do it. Yeah. All right. So I am also giving it a five. Yes. I am going. It is going to go, though. I, I have given a five to Boys in the Hood and a five to Silence of the Lambs. And I am putting it below Silence of the Lambs. Because Silence of the Lambs is one of my like true crime. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. There we go. So. If you want to make your voice heard, this has been great, Liz. This was yeah. a great conversation. This was so great. Email us at poppingcollegepodcasts at gmail.com. 
Um, we our next up is going to be our Golden Poppers Awards. Wow, going to happen. So, so Liz and I needed to do this episode, make these picks because now we're going to get the ballot out, and you're going to be able to vote on 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 the Golden Poppers, and you can allow you know what who is your best performance for this year? Who is your what's your best scene? You know, and all of that. And we'll 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 do that, and that's you know the red carpet is waiting. So excited for that! I love it. Can I come to the party? Please. Yes, let's do it. We should have you come and be be guest on the Golden Poppers. That would be that would be amazing. I have a very sparkly dress in my closet. That I've Perfect. Perfect. I always put on really sparkly jewelry and stuff for it. It's very important to me. I love it. I want to do it. All right. So Liz, thank you so much. Thank you. And this I, was a blast. Yeah, and I promise on our next excursion together, maybe we'll go out west. Oh my God. Rent, like, a little, yeah. rent a little convertible. I'd love it. I'd love right? it. And just hold hands yeah. across a lot of across America, across America. <laughs> Can and we, I, I will try to avoid cliffs though. Listen, that- we're priests. So like we won't be drinking little bottles of tequila or whatever in the car. No, no, no. But, but we'll probably do it like in the hotel. I'll have a nice glass of wine. Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. okay, that sounds good. And thank you so much for joining us and going on 30. Good night. Good night. Good night.